0: Welcome to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. It is my pleasure to come to you every Sunday evening to talk sex and everything related to sex, which is everything. Tonight on the program, you may have heard of individuals who are asexual. That's not me, but you have heard of demisexuality. Have you? Maybe not. Demisexuality is when a person requires an emotional connection in order to be sexually attracted to someone. Now, you might think, well, isn't that the case for most people? But the answer to that is no. Sexual attraction is involuntary. And I'm going to explain a little bit more about this and demisexuality a little bit later in the program. Furthering this theme of emotion. No, I did not say motion. Oh, that's the problem with guys. All along, they thought women were saying motion, not emotion. (laughs) Anyway, it's emotion, guys. And tonight I'm going to tell you about the importance of male emotional intelligence in every domain of your life, from personal to professional. Tonight is Oscar night, of course, and I'm going to try and relate The Revenant to a sexually transmitted infection. (laughs) Basically, throughout, okay, I confess to a little bit of uh, cleanliness OCD. I have to clean the kitchen before the bathroom. I like things neat around me. I like it clean. Um, And so through that entire movie, I don't know if you've seen The Revenant or not, but their hair was filthy. And so I'm pretty much obsessing about how are they going to clean their hair? How are they ever going to get that? junk out of their hair. They were filthy. It's also, I'm generally freezing all the time and they were swimming in icy waters. And I was wondering about that. But anyway, back to the cleanliness OCD, not like the actor Howie Mandel, but I just like things as a nurse to be sterile around me. So as a registered nurse, one of my areas of consulting or expertise is often setting up nursing clinics. And I've set up a number of nursing clinics around the province quite often but quite often I am gobsmacked when I see nurses not wearing gloves when interacting with patients. And some of the patient populations that I work in may have high rates of HIV, TB, and Hep C, communicable diseases. Hep C may be transmitted sexually, but not always, and it never discriminates. So this is a call out to all healthcare practitioners, nurses, when you're putting in IVs, when you are touching somebody's face, When you are cleaning somebody, when you're doing any one of a number of procedures, put gloves on. It's protection for you and the patients as well. Because I said, communicable diseases do not discriminate. So the call out to doctors, care aides, everybody in the healthcare profession, wear gloves. I know it's not that great for the environment, but some brainiac is going to have to come up with a way to solve that. So if you are a patient and your healthcare provider is not wearing gloves when treating you, speak To that end, I will review Hepatitis C which does not discriminate how that's related to uh, <laughs> The Revenant. Anyway, I don't want to disclose, but that was just a basically a filth movie. And welcome to the uh, board operating tonight, Matt. Nice to see you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for helping me and helping me with the music as well and all the buttons and everything. I can only push certain buttons in my life, but anyway, <laughs> you do these buttons for me. There's I like a lot a, of buttons
1: to push here. So. There
0: sure are, but there's a mic. I can handle the mic. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm way more comfortable on radio than I am on TV. And and I think because I've been, I'm doing a Stanley Park, a TEDx Stanley Park talk in May, I've been asked to be on TV a few times this week. Well, they've recorded it. I'm not sure they're actually going to show it (laughs) in the end. But uh, in fact, I was told that they're like, we may have to censor that. We may not be able to show that before midnight. Anyway, I was like, well, you know, I get a little egged on by the audience and there's like producers, there's like five or six producers as they're filming and it's very different television. I also
1: have a horrible fright of public speaking and just talking in front of my class, my leg starts to shiver so badly that I lean on my left leg and then my right leg starts to shake. (laughs) So I lean on the right leg and my left leg starts to shake.
0: And a lot of people are like that. I'm not one of them. I'm like, you know, as I see them laughing or getting and I'm like, okay, I can... uh, I can do this on steroids anyway and so it, it can get a little bit you know when I'm unplugged it's a different story so we'll see how that but I don't like being on TV face for radio and then you're looking in the at, you know at the screens and anyway just thinking how bad you look. So anyway, we shall see. But uh, thanks for being here tonight. This is Oscar night, and uh, you can PVR that. That's good. So don't tell me, don't call me, and tell me who's won. I'm going to PVR that later. Thankfully, there's somebody at home who knows how to PVR.
1: <laughs> I was more excited to see what Chris Rock had to say at the beginning of the show.
0: Exactly. I think a lot of people were, and what he was wearing as well, I think, was symbolic.
1: Yeah, and I was surprised how tame he was, to be honest. I mean, a lot of a lot of people were turning this into a. Um, a, uh, a,
0: a protest or a bit of... Exactly, yeah. yeah. People were disgusted that uh, there was exclusion uh, in the movie industry. Exclusion happens everywhere in in any work environment, and it is a form of bullying. And, uh, you know, once again, it's um, a lot of old white men, I guess, that are determining some of the... Uh...
1: Well, he did say that maybe there just wasn't... An, there, were, there Maybe there wasn't some enough people that were deserving of winning the award, but he also went out and said that that black actors do not get the roles, the big roles. Exactly, exactly. So that was a huge point.
0: That's absolutely correct. Yes, so uh, discrimination, you know, around everywhere, and it's most unfortunate uh, in the world because we would, you know, we're losing out on talent because of limited vision or tunnel vision from... But to be
1: honest, I don't watch these award shows anyways. No. The the, the movies and the artists that I like that don't win these awards anyways, so...
0: Oh, well, I'm interested in the fashion quite a bit. I love fashion, and I do like the dresses, and I judge them, and I decide that they should be a different color (laughs) or... or whatever and then the plunging neckline which is in style this year really the deep plunging halfway down the navel you have to have no breasts in order to be able to wear a dress like that so um otherwise you're on a a relentless search for the right bra (laughs) and that doesn't work either but anyway but thanks so much I I will be watching that a little bit later. But uh, before then, or no, after then, sorry, uh, this week, in fact, we're going to be talking about sexual desire tonight. And sexual desire is a such an important subject and so vital in relationships and so common when there are issues, especially in long-term relationships with sexual desire. And there's so many factors that can come into play or not. Uh, no play there, which is no good. Uh, so I want to let you know about some clinics that I'm holding at London Drugs in the month of March. I'm holding about six clinics, and the first ones begin this Thursday, where I'm going to be in North Van. Now, you can go to my website, which is backtothebedroom.ca, to find out about the clinic in your area. And so the very first clinic that I'm doing is in North Vancouver at the London Drugs at 2032 Lonsdale Avenue. And that's going to be Thursday, this Thursday, March third, 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. So low desire, if it's keeping you away from a healthy sex life, I am going to help you in person get your groove back. (laughs) So it can be a one-on-one, it will be a one-on-one consultation. I think they're half an hour appointments. Uh, I'll teach you how to understand your body, learn some new tricks, hear about effective solutions that can be used every day. Men and women can come because men may have questions about a female partners, low sexual desire. Um, so you can book an appointment, but you need to book an appointment with the pharmacy. You can. I'm also going to be in Surrey once again on Friday. <laughs> uh, I've gotten out of my car twice in Surrey, nothing against Surrey, but the, I've been going to Surrey recently. <laughs> in all honesty, the two times that I got out of my car to either get a sandwich or I can't remember why the other reason was probably to get a sandwich, I don't eat bread. But anyway, um, to get something to eat, uh, I was, my life was endangered. (laughs) Like I'm never getting out of the car again. Honestly, like I read, I went into a subway and to get a salad at the subway. And uh, there was a gang in there that had an incident and they were calling the police. And I was like in the middle of this nightmare. It's, it was terrible anyway. So that one is going to be held in a safe area at number 100-15355-24th Ave in South Surrey. So do call the London Drugs in South Surrey if you want to make an appointment with me. And there are other cities that I'm going to as well. Delta and Langley, they're a little bit later on in the month. And New Westminster, apparently there's low sexual desire out in New Westminster too. And Vancouver, whew, big time. So March 17th, St. Patty's Day, I will be uh, giving you some... Irish instruction on speaking of Irish instruction and in sexual attraction. Have you seen the movie Brooklyn?
1: <laughs> no, I haven't actually. Okay. I was gonna say, I'm also from South Surrey. Oh, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> I tell people I'm from White Rock, so, it's all right.
0: I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I couldn't, I don't, I don't know Surrey at all. I have to say that, and I've been on one road <laughs> the entire time. I won't say the, the road that it is, but I. Um, I, I don't understand the difference between Sol Surrey and Guilford and anywhere. It's 16th I mean, Street.
1: It separate. I, I have no... Yeah. That's
0: the problem. I cannot live in a city where there's numbers, okay? <laughs> that just doesn't work with this blonde head because finances are not my thing, okay? And my bookkeeper even said I'm the worst co- client she has. And I said, please don't let me go. Please, <laughs> she's, She said she won't. But anyway, because um, I'm so afraid she's going to give up on me, but... Nonetheless, so numbers aren't my thing, but nonetheless, I'm certain that you know, there's um, it, it's, it's okay to go get a salad in Surrey, <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say was the uh, Brooklyn. Have you seen that movie?
1: No, I haven't. Oh I'm, my
0: yeah. god, I love that movie! And talk about sexual attraction immediately, I could have jumped through the screen with Tony, the Italian. Uh, cute as a button, beautiful smile, beautiful eyes, you know, automatically sexually attracted to him. I admit to that. I'll never meet him. You know, there's no emotional connection. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a little bit further about that and clarifying sexual desire from the need to have emotional connection and why emotional connection impacts a lot of relationships negatively. And then the sex can wane. Anyway, we've got a lot to cover tonight. Um, I'm also going to cover your emails, which thank you very much for your emails. You can email me, sextalk at cknw.com. You can also call me if you have any questions at all about any of the subjects that I'm talking about or not. 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The lines are open, Matt, are they?
1: They sure are. They
0: sure are. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Okay. So when I come back, I'm going to talk to you about demisexuality. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. I am Maureen. I host this little sex show every Sunday night, we talk about everything from health and relationships to intimacy, sexual desire, blood pressure, cardiovascular health, you name it, we talk about it. Because no subject is off limits, especially if you keep it clean, if you know what I'm saying. And uh, it's related to health and improving your quality of life and or your relationship. So I have a clinical practice as well. And uh, quite often, I see these trends in my clinical practice. And lately, I've seen a few patients who I felt perhaps were experiencing demisexuality. Now, you have heard of asexual, I'm sure, or you've wondered what being asexual is. If you uh, are not sure what that is, it's basically a person who is not Sexually attracted to other people. Now they may date and they may self-stimulate. I'm rhyming tonight, (laughs) Um, and that's true. And that's one way to remember it, which seems a little counterintuitive. But demisexuality is a sexual orientation where someone feels sexual attraction only to people with whom they have an emotional bond. Now you might think, well, what's different about that? But it is quite different most demisexuals feel sexual attraction rarely compared to the general population. And some have little to no interest in sexual activity. So you might be walking down the street and just look at somebody and think, oh, he's hot. If, if you're me. No, <laughs> just kidding. Um, you might just, but you look at someone and think, oh yeah, they're, they're hot. I could, you know, be attracted to them or, or not. Um, so it's not everybody, but you don't, you may never talk to them. You may never meet them. That's why online dating works so well because somebody can actually be attracted to a photograph of somebody without knowing anything about them. And then the arousal increases as there's maybe uh, text back and forth or chatting back and forth or communication back and forth. So then that might build it, but you don't need that emotional bond to be sexually attracted to somebody or to have sex with somebody. So, What is that emotional bond that demisexuals need for sexual attraction? Well, this is variable and it's based on the demisexual's personal experiences and it is slightly different for everyone. Emotional intimacy, of course, is the main component of this. So some demisexuals find themselves attracted to close friends or even romantic partners. So some other Components or contributing factors may include familiarity with the person and knowledge about them. So, knowing certain things about their personality, what type of a person they are, not their job, not the kind of car they drive, not the family they come from, but things about them specifically. Are they funny? Are they friendly? Are they open? Are they kind? Those kinds of things. Forming an emotional bond for demisexuals does not guarantee that sexual attraction will happen. This is a bit of a complex issue, and it's not very common, but I just find it's quite interesting. But that emotional bond is a prerequisite for sexual attraction to occur at all. The length of time required to develop that emotional bond varies as well, and so for some demisexuals, it may take years of being close friends with somebody. You often hear about people we were close friends for ten years, twelve years, and then we became lovers. so they you might think demisexual there, especially if they've had a very limited sex life. Um, so for others, it can be a short but very intense experience, like traveling with somebody on a plane, okay just another membership to the Mile High Club Uh, so it can be very short but it or it can be very long but it always has to be there so you another question you might wonder well isn't that normal we all want to want sex after getting to know somebody not true sometimes you want sex before you know them and that's the truth as well There's a difference between feeling sexually attracted to somebody and wanting to have sex with them because sexual attraction is involuntary. It is something you cannot control. Either you have sexual feelings for somebody or you don't. You cannot make it happen and you cannot force it to go away. So you don't have a choice in that matter. Sometimes you might talk yourself into wanting to have sex with somebody or even just having sex with somebody. Sexual behavior, on the other hand, is something you can choose to participate in or not, and that's really the integral difference between sexual attraction, people who are sexually attracted to others on an involuntary uh, level, and those who need that emotional bond. So most people on the non-asexual side of the spectrum, like Matt and myself, (laughs) Obviously, I host a sex show for crying out loud. (laughs) I understand the importance of it. It's uncontrollable for me. I might be going to hell. But anyway, that's another story, another show. Um, But most people on that non-sexual side of the spectrum feel sexual attraction, regardless of whether or not they have an emotional bond with somebody. So you can be attracted to somebody and really not care a thing about whether they're nice or whether they're kind or whether they're generous. You may have sexual feelings for attractive people on the street, as I said, somebody in a movie. And wasn't that Brooklyn movie just wonderful? I just completely loved that movie. You have to see that, Matt. Anyway, <laughs> it was so, well, you know, I cried. You know, you'll laugh. You'll cry. Um, but I, I can cry. I am competent at crying. I'm so out um, of
1: touch with what's in the theaters. I've never even heard of it. So
0: You haven't heard of Brooklyn? No. Oh, my gosh. All right, you have to see it. It was a beautiful movie, but it's a complete chick flick on steroids, okay? It is totally that, but I loved every single second of it. Of course, I'm Irish, and it's an Irish story, and it's about a young woman coming over to New York, and of course, I love New York, and I'm from Boston, and anyway, it had everything all over it. It had romance and, you know, passion, a little bit of passion, not, not so much, but but it had the romance factor for sure, for sure, and all the scenery was, it was anyway, and all of the shame and all of the uh, judgments and uh, the lack of sexual education for women and the difference between men and women and, and in terms of sexual socialization. So it had a lot of components in it um, that that I like. But anyway, I th- a lot of people have enjoyed that movie as well. But, um, you know, People on that non-asexual side may have sexual feelings for attractive people on the street or celebrities like me. But one time I met Dave Duchovny and I had nothing for him. I didn't even know who he was. (laughs) Anyway, I didn't recognize him, but the entire Starbucks did. But that was okay. Um, But no, he didn't do it for me. But um, but actually, anyway, that's a long story.
1: What's that? So he does it for me.
0: (laughs) You know, it's actually funny because when I I did meet him in a Starbucks and kits, and um, and I didn't know who he was, but I kept saying, "You look familiar to me." I didn't have enough money, of course, I told you finance are my problem in life, but anyway, I didn't have enough money to buy the bagel and the coffee, so I was going to get a pretzel stick or something, and, and then he offered to pay, and I was saying, oh, no, it's fine, I'll just get the pretzel stick, forget it, and he's like, no, no, no we need assistance. on paying, and everybody was stopped, and I kept saying, you look so familiar to me, you look so familiar to me, can I pay you back in my guilty Catholic Irish way? And he said, no, no, forget it. I'm like, are you a respiratory therapist? Do you work at the hospital? And then I realized the night before, I was clicking through the stations, and there he was, and I thought, oh, he's cute. I'll watch this program. <laughs> but then when I saw him in person, I didn't, I didn't have it for him. Anyway, he was a very nice guy, had lots of nice uh, personal um, traits to him. He was, he was nice and friendly and obviously generous and, and com- kind. Anyway, so, um, and now I have that bagel, you know. <laughs> And uh, and as a trophy and no I don't anyway but um so this demisexuality is it's important it's important that demisexuals have a sense of community so that leads to a stronger sense of self because they are very a very small group in in the world but there is a community to support them it's very helpful if you feel that way you just don't feel odd it's always knowing knowing how you're feeling you know or what what you might be. Is always helpful in terms of a healthy life anyway I'm Maureen McGrath when I come back we're going to talk about emotional intelligence for men I'm Maureen McGrath you are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show welcome back to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show I'm Maureen I am a I'm hosting this show. I'm a registered nurse. I'm a blogger. It's Sadie Hawkins Day tomorrow, and I did write a blog about that. So you can actually don a red petticoat, get down on your knees, ladies. (laughs) The men are getting all excited. (laughs) Ask a man for his hand in marriage. This is the one (laughs) day every four years that you can do this. But actually, you know what? We can do this today. We have a woman running for president. Look how far we've come Talk about discrimination. And um, also, any woman can ask any guy to marry her. But let me tell you, the most important thing that you need to filter in men is one thing and one thing only. And it's not the size of his bank account. (laughs) It is not the kind of car he drives. I don't care. It is not where he comes from. It's not the size of, you know what, either, because they're all the same size, five to six inches when erect. Don't try to fool me. It is emotional intelligence because that not only predicts success in life, but it predicts success in your relationship. Okay, so that's the one thing, emotional intelligence, and how hard is that to find? nothing else comes close you will be sorry if you end up with somebody who lacks emotional intelligence because it is the essential ingredient for a successful and fulfilling marriage yep it's guys who get it because if you don't get it you are not going to get it let me tell you (laughs) that's a good line um and that's the truth guys so if you're not getting it you might look at maybe i'm not getting it because i don't get it right don't you think matt
1: yeah it's probably true it's
0: it's probably true i know of what i speak it is definitely true (laughs) and the and in fact i'm not the only one who feels this way in the evolution of desire david Buss describes the importance women attach to love and commitment when seeking a mate given the tremendous costs women incur because of sex Pregnancy and childbirth, it is reasonable for them to require commitment from a man in return. Resources can be directly observed, but commitment cannot be. Gauging, it requires looking for cues that signal the likelihood of fidelity in channeling resources. Love is one of the most important cues to commitment. And because sex is one of the most valuable reproductive resources women can offer, they have evolved psychological mechanisms that cause them to resist giving it away indiscriminately. Requiring love, sincerity, and kindness is a way of securing a commitment of resources commensurate with the value of the resource that women give up to men. Clearly, it is not Smart for women, especially smart women, and most women are smart to spend time in a relationship with any man who does not readily demonstrate love and affection. But the emotional intelligence cannot be overstated, the need for that. So, from day one, you need to evaluate men based on their levels of sincerity, kindness, and some other indicators of emotional intelligence. And so the theory of emotional intelligence identifies four key abilities. I hope you have this, Matt, because I see you listening intently over there. (laughs) Perceiving emotions, okay? The ability to detect and decipher emotions in faces, pictures, voices, and cultural artifacts, including the ability to identify one's own emotions. So how somebody is feeling, how a guy is feeling, and being able to say that. Now, it's very difficult for men. I understand that. To talk about their emotions because men are not socialized like women, and women are much better talkers. Present company included. I mean, (laughs) it's easy for women to chat. We chat with our friends. We're talking about this. If you've descended from the Irish, you know. I mean, they're like talking about somebody's bread and how it was not, you know, too expensive and it was never that good anyway. And it's dry and it's so intense. Anyway, they go on and on. They've we've just been trained that way. But men are not. Men are trained to hold back their emotions, not to talk about things and and therefore they have this fear and they put up this wall and that doesn't help, especially if there's trouble in the relationship. So perceiving emotions represents a basic aspect of emotional intelligence because it makes all other processing of emotional information possible and that is key. Also, the ability to harness emotions to facilitate various cognitive activities such as thinking And problem-solving instead of freaking out instead of screaming so the emotionally intelligent person can capitalize fully upon his or her changing moods in order to best fit the task at hand whereas sometimes and I hear this a lot in my clinical practice and it's not to say that women don't scream at men and don't lose it and don't have tempers and aren't brutal but tonight we're talking about men and so if you are the kind of guy who loses your cool who becomes tangential highly focused on something unrelated to the issue at hand and which is a defense mechanism to ward off what the actual problem is, it may be signs that you have trouble using your emotions and that is so important. Also understanding emotions and that's the ability to comprehend emotional language and to appreciate the complexity in complicated relationships among emotions. So understanding emotions encompasses that ability to be sensitive to slight variations between emotions. So that changing, and I know men are always like, you know, what did women want? I don't know what she wanted me to say, or that's another very common one that guys will say. Well, what do you want me to say? And so some women might say, I want you to say you care about me. And then, okay, I care about you. And you're just putting words into their mouth. And that is also going to undermine the relationship because the ability to recognize and describe emotions and how they evolve over time is also key. And there are going to be slight variations in emotions. And with women, because of estrogen and the fluctuating levels of estrogen, the moods can be impacted as well. And you're kind of thinking, I mean, I just, I just want to watch a sports game, get a beer and you know, grab the clicker. You know, that, you know I heard one guy one time say, I'm a regular guy. I need a couch a beer and a TV. And so some men, you know, remain. And that's true. Some men just don't, they just want to check out. They just don't want to even be involved in the emotional part of it. Another patient of mine told me that her husband will ask her three or four times a day, how was your day? How was your day? And she's answered him. And by the fourth time she's thinking, didn't you hear me the first three times? You're obviously not interested in how my day went. And so if you're Finding yourself doing that, maybe because you're bored or you've had it. And long-term relationships are tough. And long-term relationships can be anything over a year and a half, two years. And so it's tough to keep it all interesting and involved. And it's much more helpful sometimes if people have different careers or uh, have their own independent lives and then come together together. Well, that's nice too anyway, but uh, keep trying to seek that because physiologically we're quite different and that's not going to happen, but I digress. I may be able to talk about that more next week on the program. You can call me 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. The show ends tonight at nine, but next week the show goes till 10 o'clock, eight to 10. So it's two hours of sex starting next week. But anyway, getting back to managing your emotions and being emotionally intelligent so, regulation of emotions, self regulation, emotion regulation, I can't say it enough. The emotionally intelligent person can harness emotion, even their negative ones, and manage to achieve their intended goals. So, they manage their emotions so that they may meet their objective or meet their goals. And emotional intelli- intelligence manifests as empathy. So that's putting yourself in someone else's shoes, understanding where they're coming from, sincerity, being engaged, really being interested, kindness and affection. These are all crucial to demonstrate your love for somebody else. So what you want in a guy, and you may have actually ended up with a guy who has none of this, <laughs> and that's bad. But guys, that's why it's the onus is on you to perhaps... Educate yourself in terms of, and and that takes insight, okay? And insight is such a, that's also so helpful in terms of success because those who lack insight will not ever get help for their drinking or other substance abuse issues, for their cheating issues, for their anger issues, for their lack of success in a personal or professional relationship. When you lack insight, you don't have the ability to look within and say, hey, maybe if I change this, or your negative attitude, a negative attitude is addictive, okay? Nothing good will ever happen for me. Everybody else always makes more money. Everybody else has more sex than I do. All of that negative thinking just wields more negativity, right? You give, you get what you give out in this world. So fortunately, emotional emotionally intelligent behaviors are visible from first meeting somebody. So it pays to be cautious, but also you gotta be forewarned about psychopaths and sociopaths. And I'm gonna talk about them in much more detail. Next week, I've had my fair shake with those two groups of people, mostly psychopaths, because the people that I work with are, are educated, highly educated quite often, um, may have families, they can appear to be successful, very charming, and so they're psychopaths. And then we have sociopaths as well. But you want to be aware of the psychopath, uh, especially in a loving relationship, because it's never going to be about love, because they lack empathy and they cannot love. So you got to look at things. How does a guy feel about his family? Is he protective of his sister? What does he think of his mother? That's an important relationship. How does he treat you? Does he communicate in a way that's consistent and congruent with his actions? Is he interested in learning more about you and sharing about himself? How does he demonstrate affection towards others? Does he ever seek physical contact with you that does not lead to sex? That's another problem. A lot of women will say, he cannot hug me without expecting sex and that's a problem in a relationship. Observe the depth of his emotions. Have you ever seen him deeply moved? Has he ever, oh, well, this is a risky one because if he's been brought to tears, that's also a sign of a psychopath. They cry on demand almost. So, but an, a man with an intact oxytocin system will feel emotions intensely and he may tear up during a particularly emotional story or or, you know, a problem or illness with, of a friend or something, um, if he doesn't cry for, you know, the kid with cancer, you got, you're out of there, okay? So you want to know that he has feelings, and he does he find time in his life to serve others? And so some, those are some of the ways and some of the things you can look for. Not every man's going to meet these criteria, but these are some of the hallmarks of emotionally healthy or emotionally available men and available as human beings and as emotionally intelligent people. And you are much more likely to have a beautiful relationship if your man has the ability to demonstrate love and affection. And that's far more important than any other female attraction cue. Everything is built on this foundation. I'm Maureen McGrath. When I come back, we're going to talk about sexually transmitted infections. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Maureen McGrath. I am hosting the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show here. I love your emails and your calls. You can call me 604 280 9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Or you can email me sextalk at CKNW.com. So I uh, have a couple of emails here that I'm going to read. I don't think I'm going to be able to get to all of them tonight, but I will. Write you back if I don't get to them. So the first question is, saw the article about you, Maureen, and the Vancouver Sun. I'm curious what workplace bullying has to do with sex. Well, when you are a target of a workplace bully, you it's very stressful, it's high anxiety, you can become depleted, and um, you it, this will lead to fatigue, exhaustion, and that may actually... Result in low sexual desire because of the impact it has on your physical and emotional health. And you may have problems with trust as well. So the, the two are actually tied and people don't realize that. But to be quite honest with you, everything's related to sex. So uh, having your sex life, uh, having a healthy sex life, noting that, understanding that will also uh, be indicative of your overall general health. So the, okay, I have Kate on the line. Hello, Kate. Hello, Kate. Are you there?
1: Not there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we just lost her. Uh,
0: we lost Kate. Kate, you can call back if you like. Had something to do with, with men anyway. Uh, so I have another email, These are some pretty quick emails. And it was just like, you can give me more details than this, but I, I kind of figured it out. Hi, Maureen, what was the name of that product you were talking about last week? I talk, So I mean I talk about a few products, many products that I, I've tested many products. I've had good pay, feedback from patients. If I have good feedback from patients and I feel it's worthy and valuable for patients, then I will advise it. Like the womanizer, for example. So the womanizer is, the, is a clitoral suckling device. And it is new to Canada. It's available on my website only. There's no, nowhere else holds it, carries it at the moment. There are two types. There's the um, WP100 and then the WP500. I haven't tried the 500 one yet, but anyway, I imagine it is just even better than the 100. The 100 is pretty darn good. So that's the Womanizer. Um, And the other product, because I figured this is a guy, and so I figured he was talking about um he was oh no 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 no. this is no this is the email that i got (laughs) um so the email because it was from a guy i figured maybe he wasn't talking about the womanizer so maybe it was a treatment for premature ejaculation which is also new to canada and it's also available at london drugs and um other fine drugstores as well i'm sure it's called uxor u-x-o-r and it is um a benzocaine topical treatment that does not require a prescription. So it's over the counter and it is for premature ejaculation. And that is in fact what he was talking about. So, um, okay, next week, we're going to have a lot more time for your calls anyway. So, uh, hepatitis. What is that? Hepatitis means inflammation of the liver. The liver's job is to clean your blood, help digest fats, and store energy. A liver that is swollen and damaged by the hepatitis C virus slowly stops working as it should. So it it no longer cleans your blood, helps digest fats, no longer will it store energy over time. Hepatitis C can remain active in your body and slowly damage your liver over time. And this is called chronic hepatitis C. You may, in fact, develop cirrhosis of the liver, which is a condition where most of the liver has been destroyed and becomes scar tissue. Now, I'm a little hesitant to talk about this because I, I recently heard a nurse say that she was actually going to do a liver cleanse. Let me tell you, you cannot actually do a liver cleanse, except the only way you might be able to do a liver cleanse is if you stop drinking, because alcohol will elevate your uh, liver enzymes, and uh, but... That's not really you know a cleanse, it's just treating your liver with respect. So if you're a daily drinker, you know, even two or three drinks a day, you may end up at 50 with cirrhosis of the liver, or elevated liver enzymes. So um, there are so many myths about uh, hepatitis um, C, but it, it can be transmitted sexually, but it is mainly transmitted through um, sharing of needles. Um so but if you are with somebody who is hepatitis C positive you are going to want to know that number 1 and then secondly you are going to want to wear a condom so practice safe sex so there's a, a myth that hepatitis C is rare but it's actually not rare it's like 32,000 Canadians have hepatitis C and there's 1700 new cases every year it's the most common infection that is spread through blood. And hepatitis B is also commonly spread through blood. Hepatitis A is usually spread through food or water. All three forms are caused by a virus. Hepatitis may also result from overuse of drugs or alcohol, as I said, illnesses, medications, or even an immune disorder. And certain things can raise your uh, propensity to catching the hepatitis C virus, and that's too many drugs, too many alcohols, uh, too much alcohol. Um, and, you know, that's, again, being in denial and how much alcohol is too much. So you want to be careful. You want to, um, you know, understand uh, how this can impact your, your body. It can lead to fatigue. It can lead to not uh, living well. Um, one of the myths about hepatitis is that high fever is the first symptom, but that's not true at all. In fact, often there are no symptoms of hepatitis C, and it may not rear its ugly head for many, many years. So it can often take as long as 30 years for serious signs of liver damage to develop, and that's what I said. If you're drinking two glasses of or three glasses of wine every day, especially if you're a woman, because women don't have as much water in their body and it, the alcohol is not as diluted as much, you can get some problems. So... Uh, You've got to be careful of hepatitis C, and especially healthcare providers need to uh, be careful as well. So anyway, when I come back, we're going to wrap this baby up. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Welcome back. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Well, like all great sex, it has to come to an end, even solo sex. Thanks for being here with me. (laughs) For solo sex, Tuesday morning. I'm looking forward to heading to Qualicum Beach to speak to a progress group, probus group. They're retired, professional business people. They want me to talk all about sex on Tuesday morning. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, always come and see me at the London Drugs Clinics around this province in North Vancouver on Lonsdale on Thursday between 3 and 7. Make your appointment, call the store, and then South Surrey. I'm heading back to your hometown, Matt, on <laughs> on Friday. Um, so, And then various other ones, uh, New West and Delta and Vancouver throughout the month of March. I am, too, speaking at the Rio Theater. I think it's on April 7th. I'm so looking forward to that because that's... Complete humor, and it's just going to be a total blast. I will be giving away prizes uh, at that event. So, um, anyway, maybe I, uh, anyway, check that out. I'll have more information about that probably next week. Uh, my TEDx Stanley Park talk on May 28th at the Queen Elizabeth Theater, and it's about the sexless marriage, uh, which is uh, becoming increasingly problematic for people in marriages after they've walked down the aisle they say if you never want to have sex again get married anyway I'll have some uh, tips for you so that's a warning for you Matt I'll have some tips how to prevent that uh, at the uh, Queen Elizabeth Theatre I don't know how I'm going to do that but anyway <laughs> I, w- I just mean stand up on that stage in front of 2700 people or something but anyway I'm just going to have to fantasize that I'm somewhere else fantasy always good uh, as I said, next week the show goes to two hours. so get your questions ready. Uh, you can always call me you can email me sex talk dot com you can visit my website uh, back to the bedroom. Ca. I did write a blog about Sadie Hawkins Day and a beautiful patient that I had she was 93 years old and how she had a crush on a man who she thought was 70 years old and it just lit her up you saw the rosy cheeks the life she said you know she's 93 but she's never felt better in her life and, and she was in love so love never ends anyway thanks so much for being here with me tonight it's always my pleasure to come to you. Until next week, when you stumble on this gravel road of life, make it part of your dance. I'm Maureen McGrath. You have been listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show.